podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Justified and we're ancient and we drive an ice cream van. Welcome to the Monday Time Lords. It's Brian Degnan and Paul John Dykes. This is the Axon Bulletin. Brian Degnan, we have lots to talk about. How was your weekend, my friend? Weekend was tremendous. Um, celebrations were a wee bit low-key. I was on daddy duties, so I couldn't quite celebrate the way I had intended. But um, I know that quite a few of us went in Shamrocks, were up in Glasgow and my brother was there as well having a good time, so... It was um, it was great. It was a great game to watch. It, it was a nice reminder of after a few weeks of of it not going well, what Ange ball is when it's in full flow. Um, we finished very flurry, and I it was just it was just you never ever. I mean, I can only imagine how it must be as a player, but as a fan, you can never get tired of, of watching these guys celebrate. It's absolutely tremendous. No, uh, Brian, this is a thing, right? And um, just before we came on live, actually, Kevin Graham uh, has sent us a wee screenshot and we'll read out what a particular Spurs fan site is saying about Ange Postacoglu. We're, we're going to run with the tagline. Um, two quotes in here. There's nothing cryptic. That came directly from Ange. There's nothing cryptic in what he has been saying when being posed with various questions over the last wee while. Um, and then when Greg Taylor was asked, he said, no point in getting nervous. And then I think collectively, let's just uh, focus on the treble. Eh? We've got a Scottish Cup final to win on Saturday. And like you say, the weekend, I mean, let's we'll talk about the, the entirety of it, right? You're talking about the lead up into that, how we were feeling after those three games that you mentioned. We're talking about the TIFO, unbelievable Tifo, the message, the message within that, right, which actually flows throughout the whole show and everything that went um, after that, the performance by the team, which, again, is a reminder of what it is Ange has actually built. Um, the speech afterwards, unbelievable, right? And, you know, I'll say this, the now Laura Bradburn wrote a fantastic article on the Axom blog on axom.net about her experience on the day. She was there representing Axom. She was able to interview Matt O'Reilly and, and others after the game. And she wrote a really, really good uh, article. So go and check that out. So we'll be looking at what he said, what you took from it, um, who he quoted, what that means, standing on the shoulders of giants, the whole thing. And then Celtic fans go and celebrate. Um, unbelievable scenes, how that's been reported. I think we'll maybe report on it slightly differently, Brian. Um, and then the aftermath of that is you wake up on the Sunday and, oh, wait a minute, we've got a cup final. We've got a uh, Hamden and we beat Rangers in the cup final as well. So we're going to be talking about all of that. Let's start off then, Brian, going into the game against Aberdeen. We spoke about, you know, it being a dress rehearsal. That, that was all the chat last week from Axon. This is a dress rehearsal. You are uh, experienced within that world. Um, you know, you, you've been involved in all that kind of stuff. You've done dress rehearsals and um, we just kind of felt you go out there with a team that's going to start against Inverness Cali Thistle and we weren't disappointed with that. Although some might have been surprised with Iwata being included. Yeah, I, th I think that, um, so on Iwata, I thought he'd done pretty well actually considering, um, considering the performance of the previous week. I don't know if that was because he was next to Johnson and the players in general played a bit better. Um, I was slightly surprised, but not hugely, hugely concerned. I still think you probably see Mieda coming back into the side. Um, although I, I, I still insist, and I know it's the facts probably don't back it up, but I still think our best front three is still Kyogo, Jota and Abada. I just think, you know, what Mieda offers defensively is excellent, obviously, but I just think it's an attacking three. Um, it really shows up. But to, to paraphrase Ange, we're champions again because we've got an amazing squad. We're champions again because of those options. And we're champions again because we've got a supremely in, um, intense winning mentality. And I think that was on display. And I think if there's any doubts, any sort of, you know, questions creeping in, we really, you know, put our foot on the throat of it and just sorted it out. 
You know, you're, you're talking there about a mentality, right? And that's something that it takes a, a lot of hard work to instill that in a group of people. You imagine any workplace, never mind, you know, top flight athletes, Brian, right? And you've got a vision as a manager and you're walking in and Ange walked into a fragmented dressing room, a fragmented club, actually, at that time. Um, and he was able to instill that. I mean, the difficulty in that, regardless of everything else that's come after that with the, the style of play, um, the success that we've enjoyed, uh, the fans buying into it, to instill a mentality in a dressing room, in a football club, I mean, it must be nigh on impossible, Brian, because it's hard enough in a, any old office anywhere in Scotland or England to do that. But then throw into the mix the talent that you've got at your disposal, the egos that you're dealing with, people who are wanting away, all this kind of stuff. To actually manage to get that and do it in such a quick period of time is, I think, probably Angie's biggest success. I think it's his biggest achievement at Celtic. Well, you you mentioned time lords at the start of the show, and if we if we reverse back to you know two years ago, I think one of my first shows was uh, we were sort of discussing Fergal Harkin and um, the Man City under twenty ones manager coming in as as the director of football and, and manager combo, and it was all that sort of stuff, and then the Eddie Howe stuff came up, and the squad were a shambles. And I remember JP had his his um, ticker. Of the days of the Champions League qualifiers, I remember the games against Mitchelland. I remember um, single-handedly starting the Dane Murray CSC because I thought he was going to be the future of the club. Still think he might have a plot to play. And you just think that was two years ago, and then what five or potential four trophies potentially five later, with some amazing football played. It's it's really quite incredible. Um, I don't think we can really. I've said this a lot, I said this when, when Brendan Rodgers was there, I said that when Lennon was there. I don't think we really appreciate for a long time these this successful period. I think we, we've got a habit, and people call us spoiled, I don't think that's the case, I just think standards have raised so high, especially since Martin Newell came in, but if we just you know, sat someone down in 1996 and says, look, just been in Berwick for another few years, and then you've got to have, you know, you're going to potentially win your eighth treble of all time in, in a very short space of time. They would never have believed you. It just seemed it's a thousand miles away. Two years ago, we'd have said to us, when we looked at the summer, we looked at the amount of players we needed, we looked at how fed up everyone was, we looked across the road. And you think to yourself, this is going to be a tough ask. You'd never thought then, not only am I going to double that season, we're going to smash potentially a treble the third. I don't always say potentially because we're still going to win it, right? Neverness could could draw a massive surprise, so I'm not being disrespectful, but you know, you're in the cusp of five five trophies after that debacle. Mm. So it's it's mind boggling. And again, I don't th- I think until we get some distance on it, I think then we can really sit back and enjoy it. You're right. And I think uh, that's happened in the past. You know, when you look at the job that, for example, Gordon Strachan inherited um after Martin O'Neill's time, we were with Jackie McNamara on Friday night, and it was a great insight actually into that final season under Martin O'Neill, and uh, it was the final season for many of the the Celts who who lined up to face Dundee United in the Scottish Cup final. It felt like a, the end of an era as a as a fan. Jackie, obviously, that was his last competitive game that he played. Didn't want to leave Celtic. Told us the full story, but to then come in as a manager after Martin O'Neill, you know that that was a massive, massive undertaking. Things had changed. We weren't going to go out there and buy four or five players from the English Premiership on that kind of wage, but we'd done it a different way. But during that period, you know, the the two uh, last 16s in the Champions League, the the three leagues in a row, was Gordon Strachan appreciated as much as he is now? I don't think he was. At the time, when you were in the eye of the storm, style of the football, sometimes the style of the player, um, a lot of the, the players that came in and went in that period uh, have not been shy in, in sticking the boot into to East Track. But I think his record speaks for itself. And I think what we're we're watching at, at the moment is Ange Postacoglu already entering this this group of managers. I was looking at the record yesterday. That the, there's a very small group of managers at Celtic, Brian, who have in their first two years as a manager, that's why Neil Lennon's not part of this, in their first two years as a manager at Celtic, um, they've won two leagues in a row and it's people like Jock Steen uh, Billy McNeil didn't do it you know because when he came in he won 10 men won the league and then the following season he didn't win the league David Hay never did it 
Um, all the, the managers from Liam Brady right through that period didn't do it. And then Martin O'Neill comes in. So you've got Jock Steen, got Martin O'Neill, Ronnie Dyla done it, Brennan Rogers done it, Gordon Stratton done it, and now Ange's done it. Um, but when you then say, right, how many of them won three in a row? Guess what the figure is? One. Jock Steen and Gordon Strachan. Yeah. So that, that's where Ange is in the great scheme of things, right? If you look right into the history of the club, this is what he's on the he's on the press of PA doing. And um I think that that takes us nicely into the the TIFO, which was the beginning, I guess, of uh, Saturday celebrations. And every time we get an opportunity to praise uh, the, the incredible work of the Green Brigade, and of course, they work in conjunction a lot of the time with regards to the, the Celtic end, um, which is a concept which I love. They obviously work hand in hand with uh, Celtic boys in, in the North Curve. But that TIFO being set up, organised, funds raised by the Green Brigade, and I'll tell you what, they absolutely nailed it, didn't they? It was sensational. Oh, they absolutely smashed it. It was it was brilliant to see. And I love the, the standards and the shoulders of giants message throughout it. Um, Did you love the TIFO more than the Oasis album by a similar name? Mate, I was just going to call it the Oasis album. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew your wee toes would be tickling there when I said that. Um, I, I did love the TIFO more, I have to say. Um, I thought it was incredible, and it harkens back to you know, time seems to be a theme in this show, if you're looking back a wee bit and reflecting. And I remember one of Angie's first press conferences, that's what he said, he mentioned about standards in his shoulders, the Giants. And, you know, you mentioned Gordon Strachan. The, the only the only um, sort of blight in my season as a fan is the fact that I'm going to miss him at the Axel event, because I absolutely love him. Um, he, I think he's, I always say, I think he's the most underrated Celtic manager in history. I think for everything he achieved, with the squad he achieved it with and the circumstances he achieved it in, I think it's quite incredible. Um, you know, one of my favourite memories is a Celtic fan is beating Man U at Parkhead, Nakamura yeah. free kick. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just quite an incredible period and it was like one of those periods where I felt we could do it. It really, the, the, the period where I felt at Parkhead, we can beat anyone. Anyone. And I hope, if there's one thing Ange has to do, and I know we're going to go on to it, but I think it's the reason why he won't be going anywhere is he needs to do something similar in Europe. Now, I don't know if he'll get to the last 16. It's such a, even the landscape from, you know, short, such a short time ago till now, it's so massively changed. It's it's really a difficult task, but I think he wanted to at least do something in Europe and get a few scalps. Then it may be a different conversation next summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where, that's where the big fella will want to, want to make a mark and, and lead his team into. And, and I think, you know, it's something that when you look at the people, when you look at the fans, when you look at the atmosphere, it we really do grace the Champions League. It's it's every club, every player wants to play at Celtic Park in that atmosphere. Look at Cross and Modric last year. They were falling over themselves to, to talk about how great the atmosphere was, how amazing the stadium was. And that is the stage where I would like to see his flourish because we're a, a you know, we're a Champions League club but Europa Conference League team sometimes and I just I hope we can get back to as close to that as possible You know when you go to one of these visitor attractions Brian uh, up and down the country and there's a wee a wee guest book eh, and you go in and it's still all very you know pen and paper and you write your name and what you thought of it imagine Celtic Park had one of them with the amount of quotes we've had from world class players that have come and gone so impressed by the stadium the atmosphere and basically just what Celtic's all about but but that T4 unbelievable these things are so difficult to do I mean we were talking about pixels you know like every seat being a wee pixel within the the greater scheme of the actual uh, PC artwork because it is art I mean it's a it's an artistic installation it's like you know if Banksy done it everybody would be like uh, banging on about how incredible it was that's how good this is honestly uh standing on the the shoulders of giants it, it reminds me though that today of all days is actually no Gallagher's birthday so there you go. No Gallagher was uh, responsible for writing that album and getting the title wrong because he called it "Standing on the Shoulder of Giants." And um, so there you go. No, you got that one wrong, pal. But he I is uh, rotten. Huh? 56 <laughs> years today. Um, but yeah, absolute full credit, and I think it sets the scene. It sets the scene for what was to ensue. Um, you mentioned um, Abada. 
and obviously was in the virtue of Maeda being suspended. Whether or not he would have got a game, who knows? But I tell you, when I, I seen him in the first half, him and Hatati were the two players that I was looking at and thinking, wow, they're right back at it. Really, really sharp. Hatati in particular, but Abada just seemed so keen to run at his man. He was really on it. Uh, and we've not seen enough of that, I don't think, in recent times, Brian. No, he's, you know, I think we forget sometimes how young he is as well. I think he's, he's, he's been a wee bit up and down at times, but where he's been consistent is in his stats and he's, you know, his contribution over the past two years. It's massive, massive. Like, he was tremendously important. He was probably one of the most important players last year. Oh, yeah. The goals, I mean, there can't be any doubt in that. At mm-hmm. 18 years old, he was. It was 20, about 21, something like that. Still a young guy, he's up and down, but yeah, I thought he'd be back between his teeth. Um, I would love to keep him if he wants to stay, but that's the caveat with anyone just now at Celtic. They want to stay, they want to keep them, they want to go, you can go. Um, but yeah, I thought he was excellent. I thought Hitati, it's just, it's just so brilliant to watch Hitati. He's such a, a clever footballer. The way, he just, the way he moves his body, sort of, the way he kind of just turns in really tight areas, it's, it's really special to watch. I am. Um, I'm a man that's prone to hyperbole. I get a bit excited, which is why I don't do pre post matches. Um, I think the last one I did was when Hart, uh, Hatati debuted, and I said it was the best debut I'd ever seen for a Celtic player in the first game. And after that, I sort of thought I'm a, a bit excited about that. But I think he, he, I don't think we realise how special a player he can be. And I think we saw him that day, we saw glimpses and it was a wee bit up and down, but this season he's been so consistent. And I say it's just a little touches, the movement, the intelligence. Um, also, I think as well, <clears throat> Johnson deserves massive credit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought it, we, we always rightly criticise, uh, uh, sorry, praise Ralston. Like we always call out development and his attitude. But when Johnson came in, you, you really saw the level up. And I don't know if that was also the team, but I thought Johnson was absolutely excellent um, to let him off. He was really good. And it shows you what kind of guy he is as well in the post-match comments because he was the first thing he did was praise Tony had a great game. Tony done a great job. It was good to see. It was a crap impression, but um, he's a much better talker on camera than me, actually. Um, but it, it, it really the strength of character to say, you know, really praise the guy you're competing with. And he just looked as if he absolutely loved it. It looked like his mind was blown at that stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And again, huge, um, huge credit. I tell you what, I know we're going to talk about it, but I've never seen a, a Spurs Tifo um, like the one we, we saw at the weekend. And I think that's indicative of uh, the differences between the two clubs. And by the way, um, it'll look even better once we get that main stand sorted and it's all on a level. Um, and then my OCD, my TIFO OCD will be able to rest. <laughs> I'm really keen. <laughs> exactly. Get your comments in. Um, as I, I really love the live events, Brian, because people come up and say, oh, I'm such and such. I come up as this name on your comments. And it's like you're putting a face to a, a, an avatar. It's great. Um, but... I've got to say, a few people say, you always bring up this one's comments and that one's comments. The reason is they're just quick off the mark, Brian. So as soon as you log in and the comments start coming up on the side of your screen, the names are there and then you start scrolling down. And generally, if you're on that front screen, there's a chance you might get mentioned. So be quick, be quick. Um, There is no favouritism. And on that, I'm going to bring up the three that come up virtually every day. Here we go. (laughs) Paddy Lavery. Well done to Fran and the girls. We will get on to that, Paddy. Phenomenal display. Um, and we'll talk about mentality, the other mentality uh, that was on show. Ewan Boy Martin, I've got to say a big shout out to Ewan because Ewan's been a long time listener on this show, Brian, to such a degree that um, for his 50th, he came to the studio, we'd done a show, uh, it's been viewed tens of thousands of times on, on the YouTube channel, and he's since come in and covered quite a few games in the studio as well. Big Celtic fan. He sent me a wee bit of footage, actually, from the St Mirren game, where we won the league under Martin O'Neill. I'll never forget that. Tommy Johnson tried his hardest to miss the the goal that was actually scored that day. Um, and there's a great bit of footage of him in the, in the crowd dancing about, which is brilliant. Hail Hail Troop says, you and boy, Martin, the sun is shining. We are all smiling champions. Again, absolutely agree with that. And you should be smiling. Jungle Lion. Domination continues. We talk about domination. The word dominate uh, was used in the incoming CEO 
speech at Ibrox because they have always dominated Scottish football. So it's one thing saying something, Brian. It's another thing actually making it sh- making sure it's factually correct. Celtic dominate Scottish football, and actually, if you go right back, not just to our heyday of the 1960s, go right back, and you look at every single decade, and you do a score and you do a tally, who dominated each decade. Celtic have dominated Scottish football since they were formed, and that's a fact. Now, with regards to that um, as well, I think that we we really do need to talk about um, a few other football matters. But before we do that, there's one or two things I want to mention. Nine weeks ago, uh, a local boy called Reese Rogers went missing. He was on a, a fishing trip with his mates, and unfortunately, um, his body was discovered over the weekend. So thoughts and prayers with his friends and family. A uh, big Celtic fan was Reese, so really sad news, a really sad outcome. Um, and also something that really saddens me and I find it really emotional, uh, Brian, is uh, we Jamie Tierney's journey. Uh, Jamie's dad was on our show a wee while back. Um, again, local boy to myself, and we just feel that there's something more we can do. So what we've decided to do is Axon does gigs once a month, sometimes more, depending on who wants who wants us, who comes along and says, ah, we fancy you coming along. And obviously the next one we're going to do is about me, uh, Gordon Strachan, the aforementioned Gordon Strachan. Tickets going quick, by the way. Ticket link underneath the video, I think. Um, so at every gig, what we're going to do is we're going to have a wee charity push for, for Jamie Tierney. Um, and what I'll do also is refer you to the, the link underneath this video, which will tell you all about me, Jamie. Um, and it's a... I've got to admit, it's a condition that I was unaware of. It's called Duchenne muscular dystrophy that the wee guy suffers from, um, and it's a muscle wasting disease, Brian. And he's just a he's just a kid, and this is something that there's no cure for. So what the family are doing, uh, Jamie Senior and, and Bobby, um, is they're raising or they have to raise sixty grand every single year for the treatment. And they've got to do that themselves. They get no assistance, um, which is just heartbreaking. So what we're going to do on Axon is we have done as a group, as a community, everybody tuning in, wonderful things in the past, as you know. Uh, obviously, St. Mary's were requiring some backing some time ago. And we were able to step up as a community and do that. And we're going to do the same for Jamie Tierney. So we will be continually talking about this. And the link is underneath if you wish to donate to wee Jamie and his journey. Have a wee read it as well. It's heartbreaking and hopefully we can help. Because what they're hoping, Brian, is that we can continue with the treatment until there's a cure. And if you can do that and just keep it ticking along until there's a cure, it's going to make his quality of life so much, so much better as well. You mentioned Spurs, right? I've been saying all week, I'm not worried about this. I am not worried. Not because I'm being lax, not because of any kind of complacency. I'm not worried that Ange is going to leave Celtic Football Club at the moment. That day always comes, Brian. We're realists. We know that. I don't see it happening this summer. Now, Kevin Graham just sent all of us a wee screenshot. This came from a Spurs, came from a Spurs fan site, right? And I'm going to read it out. The very idea that after the passing of uh, is it Nagelsmann and is it Slot, the two managers? I don't follow English football. Sorry, guys. Uh, both of whom are clearly flawed, as we are all. It is now acceptable to regard, listen to this, some Donner Kebab expert whose CV boasts of the Australasian backwaters and Scottish success is simply terrifying. Wow. Listen, two things on that. Firstly, right, if that's what you think about Ange, you haven't got a clue. I might mispronounce names in English football because I'm not interested in the game down south, right? But that's the kind of attitude that they've got to Ange Postacoglu, his success, Scottish football. I'm happy with that. I hope the club thinks the exact same way, Brian. But I do not feel, uh, and I know people are reading into every single nuance of what Ange says, I do not feel concerned that Ange Postacoglu will leave this pre-season, this season. This, he's going to go into season number three as far as I'm concerned. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm no, no nervous at all. I'm, I'm really relaxed about the whole situation, to be honest, I think. There's a, there's a number of reasons. So the Spurs one in particular, not hugely concerned about Spurs. I mean, I know English football, like a lot of supporters feel that sort of thing about, you know, oh, it's only Scottish success, it's only this success, it's that success. Well, it's more success than Spurs have had probably ever. So, you know, when you talk about huge clubs, there's not a, a Spurs supporters club anywhere that I know. You know, you don't go over the world, you don't go to 
Japan and see a, 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 a sports talks kind of about you don't go to you know Malaysia and see sports supporters clubs there's Celtic sports club all over the world were hugely successful and you know relatively speaking so Spurs you know even Jose Mourinho who's a born winner couldn't they win the anything so you know they've got more issues than their attitude to to Ange Postecoglou. In terms of Angie's position, I don't think that he would get the time in England unless he unless he got off to an absolute flyer. I don't think he would get the time to implement his vision, his ideas, and have the sort of the sort of freedom that he gets at Celtic. I don't think he would get that many clubs in England. I certainly don't think it would be the case at Spurs. Um, and I think from Angie's perspective, I think there's a, there's a lot unfinished at Celtic. I, say, I mentioned it earlier, I think he's going to want to do something in Europe because sadly, you know, the reality is people looking at him will say, well, you want in Scotland, but what else? And I think if he makes a mark in Europe playing the way he does, and I think then then people start to take notice. I've said before as well, if, if or when Ange does go, it doesn't, I don't think he'll go to the Premier League. I think, you know, somewhere in Spain or Germany or something like that makes it better. You know, I, I don't think he's tied to just managing the Premier League. I think he'd probably go somewhere where it's almost like a project club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine him taking over like a, a Villarreal or something like that. Like, that would be what I would think would be more inclined for him to do. Um, but the, the other other thing to remember is people are getting really, you know, Andrew's really non-committal and he never really said he's definitely staying in. To be honest, why should he? Because if you look at anything he's ever said, he always wants to keep people on their toes. He wants to keep challenging. He wants to keep changing. He's not going to tell the players and the board, well, I'm definitely staying, don't worry. He want to make sure, he want to just hedge his bets a wee bit and make sure they know, look, this is what I'm doing. This is where I want to be. But make sure I'm backed. Make sure I'm supported. And then we move forward. So I think he's non-committal because he's a clever guy. I think... You know, he wants to make sure the board don't take him for granted. I think that, you know, the other thing to remember is he's also said in the past he doesn't want a multi-year contract. He's quite happy with one year rolling because he gives him the chance to say, well, I need to make sure I'm here the next year. You know, he can't rest in his laurels. And lastly, I think that the non-committal part of his speech is, I think he doesn't want to lie to people and say that he's definitely staying because he might know something might come up. And I think he wants to be clear. I think he'll be very honest for the start. And I don't think he would he would sort of put his integrity on the line by saying, well, I'm definitely here, I'm here for another three years. There's no way he can know that, really. And I don't mm-hmm. imagine he say it. I think that's something to remember as well. He could have said under, obviously, the auspices of the TIFO, he could have said, and in the, in the true sense of that, Definitely, maybe could have said that, oh, and uh, you know, with the contract, oh, oh, oh. with the contract, Brian, I could have said, "We'll just roll with it." Yeah, yeah. but the, th- the, th- <laughs> the, the thing, the thing with Ange, right? What we've got to remember: some kind of meeting took place when Dermot Desmond was at the club just a few weeks ago, right? We've seen the picture in the reception where his son Ross and Ange, and apparently Michael Nicholson was part of the, the actual meeting. Now, whatever's happened in that meeting. It's confidential, right? So if Angie's asked a question, he can't commit, you know, and he, he can't even say that. He can't even say, I can't commit to this because there's an agreement that we've just made and there's going to be an announcement and it's all going to be very strategic regarding that announcement, you know, based on whatever the club decides is the best time to make that announcement. So I, I don't think that we should be getting nervous, as Greg Taylor says. I think that we just got to believe what Angie said because so far, right, Nothing he's told us has been embellished. Nothing he's told us has been any kind of, you know, there's been no untruth whatsoever, Brian. He's been straight down the middle. I mean, that's one thing that he is very much, is he's a straight shooter when it comes to chat. And I just think that he's probably got one arm tied behind his back on this one because he can't actually say anything. There has been a meeting uh, recently as well. Uh, no more of that racist chat, Paul John Dykes. I can just hear people saying that. This is a, this is a Celtic podcast. Right. The thing to remember, though, about Ange is that he came from half a world away. <laughs> you know, he's memory will love forever. So 
we could go on. We could go on and on. It's great. Love it. Alistair Ross, do scream at scream a sailor come with me and Kev because we do all that on a regular. I would be confident that we're now talking about uh, some of the injury concerns. I would be confident that O would be an adequate replacement if Kyogo does not make the cup final. Let's talk about the game uh, in a wee bit more depth. We've, we've spoken about the performances there of Abada and Atati. And I think that uh, the two goal scorers, an old Carol Starfield, had a cracking header as well. Let's talk a wee bit, though, about Kyogo and O. Um, the, the finishing prowess of Kyogo never fails to absolutely amaze me. Um, he is such a talent. And we've been banging on, again, mainly me, over the last few weeks about this goal-scoring record, getting over that 32. He's now won 33 goals. Didn't you say that you thought he was going to get 36, 35, something like that? Like, so, I, I you weren't more ambitious than that, but I remember about that, Mark. I'll take aye. it. But the thing is, the thing is, he does like a brace in a cup final. But the, the last thing you want to see is somebody like him going down. Um, he's obviously missed a, another player of the year event uh, as a result of his injury. But Ants did seem too concerned about the injuries. He he basically said that, you know, it's one of the ones where he didn't expect Johnson to finish the 90 anyway. He's back, kind of seized up. And, and with regards to Kyogo, his response was along the lines of he's already played in a cup final with one leg. So unless he's not got any legs, he will be playing. So Ange doesn't seem too concerned. Uh, what do you make of the comment, though, in relation to O? Because, again, nice reminder by O that the boy's a player. Yeah, I think O ties in with that a lot. The, the players will be mentioned over the past couple of months because I think if you look at all the players that Ange signed last year in January, they've all been better this season. As good as they were initially, they've all been better. The whole team's been better. So I think when August, like a full pre-season under his belt, knows the players a bit more, can relax a wee bit more. I think he snatches at things a wee bit now because he's obviously determined to make his mark. Yeah. Um, his attitude looks absolutely spot on. He's, he's, he hasn't actually, doesn't seem that big, but he's so strong. Like, mm. he throws himself about. He's, he's really athletic. Um, and I think it was, it was a couple of good finishes as well. So yeah, I'm excited to see. I think he'll, he'll be... It'd be really good next season as well. Guys like Iwata as well coming in. I think Johnson will be even better, which seems strange to think because he's hit the ground running so fast. Um, but on Kyoko, he's such a funny wee guy though, and he like he's, he's just got such a kind of weird wee nature. Like even when the camera was on him, he was hiding behind his hands and, and doing all that stuff. And <laughs> he seemed trying to carry the, the trophy. It was outrageous. He was struggling to be one. Neither was helping him. I, no. I thought he was going no. to. I thought that was going to injure him. I thought he was going to kill him. Used to do some of these old uh, bench presses for the European Cup because that's a bit uh, heavy. That's, that's a yeah. Um, But yeah, and it's. Um, I think he's kind of indicative of what Andrew's wrong as well because he is such a, a a sort of fascinating character. He's very charismatic. You know, he plays the game the right way and stuff like that. And and although he went down again with a wee injury. I've said it quite a lot, but Hugo, he's no scared. He, you know, he throws into challenges. He doesn't shock challenges. He, he runs in. He's a fighter. He's a wee warrior. Mm-hmm. He's not the biggest guy, but he puts himself about and he's actually spot on. And, and I think he really gets technique, especially for things. The first goal, but he, he just takes it on his left and powers it top. I mean, it's just fantastic finish. He's done it a number of times. Um, so I think he'll make the cup final. Um, but yeah, in terms of, oh, I, I want to be too concerned if Hugo didn't play because I think he would at least make the bench probably. And you can always imagine if it had to come on, he could galvanise the team if they were leaving it. But the thing about it is that if you play for Celtic and you wear that strip, you've got to be ready to play. You've got mm-hmm. to be able to play. There's no point in saying, oh, sign this guy's backup. I hate that mentality because if you're wearing that jersey, you should be willing to give everything, fight for everything and do your best and be good enough. So if all starts or whoever starts, I'd be confident they are. Well, couple of wee things there, mate, talking about the fact that you've got to be prepared no matter what to pull on that jersey and start the game. Had Joe McBride not been injured against Aberdeen in the January of 1967, the chances were he would start the European Cup final, right? So who would have dropped out? And if you look through that team, the man, potentially, and this is up for debate, the man who would have dropped out was potentially Stevie Chalmers who scored the winner. So you're right, Stevie was ready. 
Stevie was ready to, to step up that day. Um, and the greatest side and the greatest achievement of all time was had. Now, you're talking about the little nuances of the character of uh, Kyogo. What about Hatati, right? Two things I noticed. When Kyogo was kind of hobbling off, at one point Hatati offers to give him a backy. Did you see it? I used to my... Which would have been hilarious to be fair. Um, Bonkers, but hilarious. Like. Uh, he offered to give him a backy, and then uh, there was another thing where he's he's carrying a balloon off the park like it was a match ball after scoring a hat trick. You see that? Yeah, uh, exactly. Rather than just like popping the thing, he's carrying it off. Um, absolutely brilliant. I love I love all that part. Now, with regards obviously to the performance, the other thing I wanted to mention was the slight concern we had was around the centre and half partnership. Since really. Carter Vickers has, has uh, gone under the knife. We spoke about Starfelt. Has he stepped up um, as much as he should have done with regards to the fact that he's brought in uh, Kobayashi, 22-year-old, um, for his first real run of games in a Celtic jersey, a water playing, you know, not in his favoured position. I'm not going to say out of position because I know he's played a lot of games here. Not in his favoured position. Uh, Starfelt was brilliant at the weekend. And I thought Awata just kind of floated under the radar. And that's all you want at the moment, isn't it? Because I think um, there was just this understanding probably that if Carter Vickers or Starfield was out the team, we're going to draft in Kobayashi. That's what he's there for. Like you were saying, he's the guy ready with the jersey to step in. Hasn't really worked for him. I'd be amazed though in the Scottish Cup final if Andrew was to make a, a change in the defence unless it was forced. Yeah, no, I think that's the team that will start. I, I said a couple of weeks back, uh, last time I was on actually, that I thought he would experiment for a few games and then the team that played Aberdeen would be the team that plays the, the cup final and I think that would be the, the same. Again, the only thing that may change is Maeda coming back in because I know he likes him to have that sort of defensive aspect. I would say, again, I think a bad Akilbo and Jota deserve the chance to start. I think based on the performances there, it was, I think we are so much, the way we are attacking flow so much better with those three, just my personal opinion. Um, but in terms of defence, uh, yes, it could be the case that, you know, Kobayashi, maybe his confidence has been knocked a bit. He is very young. And I know 22 yeah. is no young in the scale of things in terms of footballer, but for a Japanese footballer in particular, and for a guy that's changed, you know, came from the other side of the world and you know, been playing regularly, his confidence may have been dented. And maybe I just thought, Do you know what, it's no fair for me to... Because he did say after, I think it was after the, the Hibs game, that it was a bit unfair in some of the players. That he's been putting them in with very little prep. I'm not sure I overly buy that, if I'm honest, going back to my previous point, but it could be the case that his confidence has been rocked a wee bit. He's thought, you know what, Awata's a bit older, a bit wiser. He's played there before. He can go in and, and sort of, even if he's not having a great game, he knows he'll have a better game next time. Yeah. So I think that could be the case, and I expect it to be the case in the cup final. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, and with regards to the Abada over Maida, I know that you would, you would pick Abada. I think if everybody's fit, I still think Ange would pick Maida. He seems to be a go-to guy for, for Ange, doesn't he? I think so. And look, mate, it's always such an interesting one, Maida, because he's he's better off the ball than on it. And you always think, do we need someone that's that good off the ball, given we've got Kyogo, Hattati, all that, or kind of against Inverness? That's where I'd go. I'm not 100% sure. But, as you say, he is someone that that he's got, I mean, elite level work ethic and ability. I mean, physically, if he'd a better first touch or a better cross, there's no way he beat Celtic. Like, if he'd had those parts of his game, so I, I think Ange will play him. He's, a, he's just a player that I, I always find really frustrating on the ball, but I appreciate his work off it. Mm-hmm. So it's just my sort of, I like the, the real attacking sort of free-flown traditional wingers. Um, but yeah, I, I suspect to your point, it probably will start if he's fit. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. By the way, a nice, busy Monday afternoon, 800 plus strong on a live stream. It's the Axon Bulletin. Brian Degden and myself talking about the weekend and what weekend it was. We haven't got to the celebrations or the speech yet, and we haven't spoken really about Sunday, uh, the Scottish Cup win either. But if, if you're tuning in a wee bit later, we have been pushing our new. Charity um, beneficiaries who are um, the Tierney family, we, Jamie Tierney, uh, he really needs our assistance. So hopefully we can step up and raise as much cash as we possibly can, both through the link underneath this video uh, and also through our live events. And hopefully we can also arrange a specific big fundraiser for we, Jamie Tierney as well. That's what we're hoping to do. Some players have already 
suggested that they would be up for helping out as well. Let's have a look at some of your comments. If you're liking what you see on Axon, by the way, give us a big thumbs up on the YouTube. It helps with the algorithm. Um, give us a big thumbs up. And if you want to comment, get subscribing to the channel as well. We're growing every single day. Patrick McLaughlin Rogers, please take this sports job. You owe us something. You do. You absolutely do. For the the you know, for the moment you walked on that park with the Celtic scarf and you were starting to give it a heart's kind of roll around your head and all that kind of stuff, right? And then with your your empty words and then your wee Danny McGrange story. Um, and then your terminado and all that, uh, and then walking away, no telling anybody, aye, go and take the Spurs job, right? So everybody can chill out a wee bit. Uh, JJ, aye, if you're a Tim who thinks Ange won't be here next season, you're guilty of not knowing the man as well as you should. What makes the man tick? I do believe that. But again, I think it's something as simple, Brian, as, you know what, there's been some kind of official conversation had by Ange and Dermot Desmond and Michael Nicholson and they're not going to talk about it until the time is right, until the club decides the time is now right. Um, Plunge McNugget, condolences to Reese's family. Tragic, yes, very, very much so. And all the best to we, Jamie. Just shows us Celtic supporters are the greatest. Um, yes, uh, Reese's image was up on the big screen at Celtic Park. I think it was the Motherwell game, actually. Um, and, you know, all his friends and family were still in hope until that horrible news came through at the weekend. So... Uh, thoughts and prayers with every single one of them and yeah we're going to keep pushing uh, we Jamie's case as well and I know that the Celtic support and the Axon listeners will uh, be right up for that uh, Robert Wallace, I think Ange will not leave for Spurs, he is never going to see the scenes created at the weekend working with Spurs ever, what I would say about it and I know, you know, I'm not a massive fan of English football, Brian, you know that right I used to be, I used to really love it but I'm not a fan now, I think it's a plastic plastic competition and even the, even the clubs that have got something special about the fan bases, I'm talking like Newcastle, they've been sullied by other other forces down there. And I think that uh, the English game, I can understand the attraction of the league. I get that. Uh, the riches, the players you've got at your disposal. But somebody like Ange must be looking at the tenure or the average tenure of a manager. He mentioned, he mentioned in his speech last night about the fact that he's picking up an award and he actually said that, you know, the managers that started the season, a lot of them are no longer in their jobs. He is he is acutely aware of that, Brian, because if you think it's bad in Scotland, times it by about 100 down south, you know, uh, you've got Graham Potter, who appears in the top five in terms of compensation paid for a manager, right, twice. He appears twice in the top five, right? And... Chelsea paid a world record fee to get them from Brighton and then bin them. You know, there is no loyalty, there's no long-term planning, there's knee-jerk reactions, it's all about the here and the now, instant gratification. That's what you get if you go down to the EPL. And I don't think Andrew's all about that. You've already made that, and I think that's a really good point uh, that's been made here. And Paul... Paul McGurk, God bless Jamie Boy. Yeah, if you want any more information, I've put that down the uh, the link underneath the video and it tells you a wee Jamie's story as well. I want to talk about the speech. So we've, we've gone out there and we've um, battled Aberdeen. Um, we had a, we weren't, we weren't actually worried about it. I think on Thursday our headline was something along the lines of this is why you're going to see the real Celtic returning against Aberdeen. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. So Ange comes out, he's given the mic, he doesn't waste his words, does he? Sensational speech. Yeah, he's um, one of the, the the great speeches that are always written in short bursts. Never big long sentences and never rambling. Always very clear. Champions again. This is why. Champions again. It's, it's wonderfully written. And um, I, I love the Champions again because I'm a lucky man. It, it was great. That is, that's clearly something that's also annoyed him, that partner, because he's also held that in there for a while and no said too much about it. So I did enjoy that. I thought that was great. Um, and it's just, yeah, he, he is a great speechmaker, and He's just such a great sort of statesman for the club, I think. Um, and, you know, so if, if we think for a second, say Ange was to go, right, we look at when Rogers left, because we've mentioned him, right, he took everyone with him. So, you know, he didn't just leave, he damaged the club. In a lot of ways, because everyone, the whole backroom team, the whole infrastructure was all all over the place. Ange came in, never really brought anyone in, and he's fixed that. 
So even if worst case scenario Ange was to go, and he will go eventually, right? Probably I don't think this year, maybe next, maybe depending how it is in Europe. That infrastructure's there now. The data scientists are getting all there. You know, the, the, the backroom team, the way academy set up, it's just for the first time flown the right way. So I suppose what I'm saying is if Ange was to go, you know, don't look back in anger, because it's all part of the master plan. <laughs> Oh, you've been thinking about that for the last 20 minutes, Brian. I love it. I love it. Superb. Um, Now, with that in mind, I'm going to point this out, right? So, Jockstein, in 1970, Celtic were on tour, pre-season tour in America. And Jockstein left early and flew back to Britain. Now, most people will be aware of the tour because what happened was Bertie Old and Tommy Gemmell were sent home early because of their behaviour. <laughs> so you can imagine they were up to high jinks. Sean Fallon was looking after the team in Jockstein's absence and because of their indiscretions, they were sent home early, right? And, and um, Gemmell ended up on the transfer list as a result of this, by the way. So the reason Jockstein had left early and flew back to Britain is because he was in con- he was in contract talks with Manchester United. Now that this is not something that's made up. This is in I think Archie McPherson's magnificent biography, Jockstein. It's it's a fact. It's not something that's you know unknown. So Jockstein in nineteen seventy, and as you know, he was a Celtic manager for another eight years. Um, flirted with the idea of going down south. Right now, Martin O'Neill, and I mentioned this last week, two thousand and three. In the February, bearing in mind we were in Seville in the, in the May, in the February, signed a note of intent with Leeds United to suggest that at the end of that season he would take over as a manager. And you know that he didn't. He remained at Celtic until the 2005 Scottish Cup final. So great men and great managers can have their heads turned, Brian. That's what, I mean, this, this is an incredible situation. It's very complex, right? And we know, we think we know the type of man that Ange is. But even Jockstein, even Martin O'Neill. And by the way, I think the, the 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 bonus here is that both of those men didn't go. And Celtic um, enjoyed, and Celtic fans enjoyed, glorious success after these two events, okay? The fact that Steen had spoken to Man U, O'Neill had spoken to Leeds. Yeah, there's, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's loads of clubs who would want Ange down south. He might be tempted, Brian. He might be. But at the same time, I think that he's got unfinished business here and he's going nowhere. And I'm hoping, right, here we go, Kevin McGinley, that we'll find out sometime soon on Saturday, suggest Kevin, that Ange is staying. He's signing the new contract here. Well, um, I'm pretty sure there will be an announcement and it'll be around, you know, when the club thinks it's probably at its uh, height. It could be post-Scottish Cup, for example. We've made announcements on managers after a Scottish Cup in the past. Um, it could be around season ticket announcement with regards to all sold out. Who knows when it's going to happen? But it will happen, won't it? I think so. I think, um, I mean, I'm not sure it's going to be like a multi-year deal or anything like that, but you may get a bit more clarity around it. Um, just just to, the final, just on sports particularly, before we talk about managers potentially leaving, see if anybody in the comments, anybody watching, watch this the documentary, the Amazon one, All or Nothing, on sports, and see the, the culture. You talk about culture at Celtic under Ange, the technical players he likes to buy. You look at the culture, look at the players' attitude in that documentary. It's an absolute disgrace. Mm-hmm. So petulant and spoiled and entitled. I don't think Ange can into a club like that. He would have to clear out all those players and start from scratch. And that's what I mean about time, because it's it's a different um a different kettle of fish food with a lot of players in there. A lot of these guys, a lot of these guys like Daily Alley, they've got all, they're, they're told from a very young age that they're gonna be the best player in the world. They're getting paid a ludicrous amount of money and they're playing in a league that you alluded to earlier, it's very transactional. Paul, well, you know, you get, I think it was uh, one of the, the so-called derby games down south and the fans have got half and half scarves and get selfies with opposition players and all that. It's madness. And I just think there's a, you know, a lot of the players and the attitudes of players down there. I just don't know if it necessarily suits a guy like Ange, if I'm honest. Um, and then the other thing as well is when you talk about guys like, you know, potentially leaving, how many managers have left Celtic and had a better career? 
So good. It is a very good. Um, I mean, Matt Ponder. He done. He done well. He done well he at Villa. But I mean, he never. It. He, he didn't go on and create. No, Aston Villa certainly. You know, they're, they're, I mean, Aston Villa are about a club to Spurs. So there's an example. But he done all right. Rogers has been new relegated with Leicester, being sacked. There's been many other managers left and had better careers than they had when they were at Celtic. Just I'm like, going to say no. No, just just like a lot of players that have left, there's very few examples, you know, that have went on and done worlds better. And that's something to think about as well. You know, I, know, I don't mind Andrew's watching, and I certainly don't think he wants my advice, but it's something to consider because, you know, this idea of going to bigger and better things, it's very often not the case. And I, I, I think there's a reason so many ex-players and ex-managers are still so fond and so connected with Celtic. You know, even Is anybody... Has anybody ever won a European trophy as a manager post Celtic? No. So they've, they've left Celtic as a manager and gone on to win a European trophy. Don't I don't think so either. I think it's a very good point as well. By the way, Ben, 515, thank you. Uh, donation will be done after the show. That's in relation to okay, Jamie's journey. We're going to be uh, talking more about that um, on the bulletin as we push on because you know what? It's one of these things. It's an everyday event for Jamie and his family. So we're on every day. And if we can push donations his way, then absolutely superb. Now, another thing um, with regards to uh, Ange, here's here's another thing to consider is if there's going to be an announcement, and I'm, I'm talking about the good announcements like big season ticket sales, we've just won a treble, that kind of thing. Well, the, what the club will maybe be kind of planning for as well, Brian, is um, to soften the blow of something else. So you imagine, right, we know the future of Ange. We know what the future is with Ange, right, as a club. But we also know that someone who is very, very much revered within the Celtic fan base is going to leave the club. Now, Ange himself has said one or two players. I heard that over the weekend. One or two players he's talking about leaving the club. He's already prepared us for not getting too attached to our heroes, right? So we know where we are as a football club. We know that if somebody comes in with a mega offer, right, um, then the chances are one or two players, according to Ange, might be leaving the club. What would soften that? An announcement that Ange is staying? Of course it would. So there you go, right? We've kind of already um, admitted defeat on the fact that one or two players might be leaving, Brian, right? What's going to soften the blow? You follow up with, here's Ange, Ange is staying. So that's another thing to consider as well. We can't go through today's show on a Monday. And by the way, someone was in here saying that they'd forgotten it was Monday. I know you're, how you're feeling. There we go, Derek. I forgot it was Monday. It's been one of the kind of weekends. But the celebrations, absolutely incredible celebrations, right? Uh, party at the Tron Gate. Um, I've got to give a big shout out to Will at Gracie's uh, because he flew a drone and he captured it. And at one point, I don't know if the guy was skiving his work or he wasn't meant to be there or he didn't want his missus to see him, but he's on a lamppost. Maybe it was the fact he was on a lamppost and he's trying to say that to the drone, get away from me. And he kind of flew around him. Uh, brilliant, unbelievable scenes. Um, and we've done it, I think we've done it right. Now, if you've gone, I don't know how many tens or thousands of people who were in there, right? If that's going to happen, Brian, there is going to be an element of disorder. There's going to be an amount of arrests, right? There always is at any gathering of the public anywhere in the country. But the headlines I was reading was as if, you know, we had gone and created mass disorder. I never really saw any of that. Now, as I say, there's going to be wee pockets of problems. Of course there is. But I was saying to you and the Axom team that if they're going to run with that headline, they need to tell you, right, on any given Saturday at that time in that area, how many people would normally be there in terms of the footfall? How many arrests would they normally expect? How many arrests per head? Did it go up or did it go down? They never told you any of that. All they told you was there was 10 arrests. Now, by the way, the average might have gone down. And that would actually suggest that the Celtic fans were extremely well behaved. But they don't want to run with that narrative, do they? No, basically they're absolutely clutching. Mm-hmm. They're all prepared for disaster. They're all prepared... And then you've got the you know the celebrations a few years ago, the the, the team across the city when they wrecked the place and we'll fight the police and fight each other and causing carnage. And and you know, so they've been waiting for us to do something similar. And you know, say ten arrests, right? Ten arrests, 
out of that many thousands of people, the tens of thousands of people, there's more arrest in the Paisley Road West than a Saturday night mm-hmm. across three pubs. It's nonsense. It's it's just a nonsense story. Like and you, you sort of start to creep out and oh him, this is happening, that's happening, and it was it was all unfounded, it was nonsense. It's people wanting to to sort of say, Oh look, it's out of them near the baddies. It's nonsense. And then, as you say, look, they're always going to be roasters, there's always going to be the occasional roaster that's going to cause trouble. And there's always going to be something that's going to get belted. Sadly, these things are going to happen, right? But again, if you look at the, the sheer volume of people in the one space, at the one time, all partying, and there was only 10 arrests. And when you say 10 arrests, you know, a, a weekend lying for somebody, it's no ladies, it's no 10, 10 arrests for murder. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, I really step back, you know, the headline, if there was any sort of um, balanced view, would have been, you know, despite some small pockets of trouble, mm-hmm. the the Celtic support largely, you know, behaved herself and it was a great atmosphere and it was a, a good atmosphere and a good advert for the type of celebrations the city can hold with, with very little trouble. Yep. Especially if you play Scotland, they should have been taking credit for the fact, you know, if they had any sense, they'd be saying, you know, we done such a good job that there's very minimal arrests relative to the volume of people. So, you know, there's ways to look at it and how it's written, but I think anyone with a lack of sense looks at it and goes, back of an own story that, isn't it? Whenever, whenever any news article anywhere starts saying things like there was many disturbances, there was lots of trouble, but they don't give you numbers, it's nonsense. Just trust me. It's nonsense, you're right. And like, when Celtic went to Seville, that's something we've mentioned a couple of times in the show, and we got two awards, um, international awards for our, our sterling behaviour. You're not telling me there wasn't arrests. Yes, there were. There were arrests. Of course there was, because when you get a, a convergence of that amount of people in one area, there's going to be arrests. That's what happens, drinking in the sun, blah, blah, blah. But Celtic, in a different country, Brian, right, are told how well they behaved. But in their own country... Were told how badly behaved they were. Absolute nonsense. And uh, credit to everybody that went and enjoyed themselves and probably woke up feeling a wee bit worse for wear on the Sunday and probably missed Sunday's game. And they were probably planning to go to the Scottish Cup final. But I what think these boys are still out, Paul. That's true. That's true. Another brilliant crowd. Um, you were going on about there are always going to be a couple of roasters, right? I'm going to give I'm going to give you my top two roasters of the weekend, right? Um, <laughs> with, with staunch bonus points to Ross McCrory for the guard the honour shenanigans, um, and the other one is Catherine Hill of Rangers. Wow, she's angry, eh? She's really bitter, isn't she? That was incredible. Being shocked. I mean, no. You know, when you look at you look at the type of behaviour, you saw it for the one of the coaching staff a while ago as well. So it's no surprise. But again, it's, it's, you know, how much is that spoken about? It's not often. Although I've got to be honest, I, I would like Roasters of the Week to be a, a new a new segment of the show. Mate, we wouldn't, get it, we wouldn't be able as to get it. As long as it's not me and you, I'd like That's to try what I mean. <laughs> the Axon group would get more votes than anybody else. Right, Roaster of the Week. Roaster of the Week, right. So it's up there. I mean, Ross McCrory and uh, Captain... Catherine Hill are nose to nose at the moment. Who is your roaster of the week? Let us know before the end of the show. We've still got a couple of minutes to go. Um, but yeah, it was just like, just angry, bitter kind of approach. It's a culture, it's a mentality, uh, as we've spoken about. But Celtic, um, we're able to win 2 0. We're clear. Uh, Ryerden and Natasha Flint scoring the goals. One of the highlights for me, as well as w- watching the incredible support of the women's team, was Fran Alonso's post match interview. What a guy he is. <laughs> yeah, top man. He's 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 been a sort of fan favourite for a, a, a few years. Fran, he's just he's such an exciting guy. He's, you know, a lot of the Axon crew have got a, a sort of good relationship with him, and none more so than Natasha. Um, and he always just he speaks so honestly and enthusiastically, and he's he's got that infectious thing. It's like we talked about with Kyogo. He's got that natural sort of charisma. He's sort of warm to him, and um, and then brilliant success. We were so unlucky a few weeks back with the league, so. I think the, for the women to get their just desserts and, and win against their rivals was, was excellent and well-deserved. Um, and it shows the, the level of support. As you said, you know, I think there was 11,000 there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you think about the amount of people that must have been, we were joking about it earlier, but the amount of people that must have been hanging on a Sunday and still 11,000 were there. 
for the ladies game. I think that's, that speaks volumes about the job they're doing and the support we have relative to, you know, whatever players and the media and whatever other roasters want to say. Well, I did I, I did actually think about wearing the Fran Alonso jacket today and give you my, my own rendition of Celtic Glasgow. But if anyone's heard me singing, they probably thank me for not doing that. With regards to the support, um, if you think about the last three games, uh, the two games at home and then the Hamden encounter, what you're talking, best part of 10,000, 16,000, 11,000. And on the back of that, and the fact that there is that success, that that's the second Scottish Cup in a row we're building. You can see France building something really special. There's, I would guess, and by the way, I'm the same, that there are people now in the comment section who are naming Celtic women's players who two years ago couldn't have probably named a single player. I'm probably guilty of that as well. And that just shows you how we've really bought into it. Uh, you know, I've said before, Axom is an actual patron of Celtic women's team and will continue to support them moving into the future. But the reason I'm saying all that is because the club need to realise this as well. Um, and there's some figures starting to circulate in relation to the budget that Celtic have have basically set aside for the women's team being half half the budget that Rangers have, half the budget uh, that Glasgow City has. And if that's the case, then you know we are punching way above the the, the bracket in terms of what we're paying the players, uh, what funds are available to France to strengthen the side, and that's something the club really because Brian, you can't say. In you come, season to holders, let's get behind the team and, you know, a couple of wee games at home and then no back that up. Because for me, it's it's all or nothing when it comes to this. Absolutely. And see the other thing as well, and, you know, you know I'm, I'm prone to look at things this way, but see from a business perspective, right? See if you look at the women's team, is a, a, a gateway for people, for families to start going to games. Even say we girls, right? I, I'm using it, maybe I'm being a bit of a... Yeah, throw back here, but assuming we girls like to see the women's football first and might be more interested in that. It's a good gateway to start taking the games, to get them involved, to get more interest up, and then moving in as they get older into the men's team and supporting both. So there's also opportunity there um, to engage with, with, with different friendships, different segments, different opportunities for to increase the already massive support and increase the engagement. And you we talk about Ange and the announcement and statements of intent and stuff like that. You know, back in Fran and, and back in the, the, the Celtic girls would be a massive show of, of faith and, and I think it would it, that would also have the knock-on effect of encouraging more people to go because if the club backs them, you know, we should back them. So I, I think you're absolutely right and I think the club should be clever about it in terms of, as I say, using that as a gateway to get maybe younger people to go to games, you know, where they can enjoy the football and get excited without maybe the intensity of a full parkhead and then sort of graduate to that. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that's the, that's probably something that I'm going to do with my wee girl uh, moving forward, and I think a lot of people will as well. No, I think you're spot on, and I don't think it's disrespectful of the women's team to say that it's a gateway. I really don't, because, you know, I, I just feel that the season ticket situ- situation was an absolute no-brainer. It was, I was delighted to see that that was implemented um, a couple of times this season. There's a few more comments before we wrap up for today. Joseph McGonagall, um, can you donate in a link? You absolutely can. Uh, that will take you right to the, the fundraising page and we're going to keep pushing that uh, for Wee Jamie and his family as well. Thanks, everybody, who's already visited that link, by the way. Uh, and Tam, Mark, I'm not going to sing that out, but yeah, Fran Alonso was singing Celtic Glasgow. He, he truly is part of the team. You know, he's he's right up for uh, what Celtic's all about and he's bought right into it. And Kaiser, um, who I think was at the game, I think Kaiser was at Hamden, 10,422 attended the game at Hamden. Kaiser was also um, at Gracie's on Friday night and he saw Jackie McNamara in action. So thanks for supporting Axon. Again, Kaiser, it's always appreciated, mate. And, oh, and Matt Tyler as well. Anyone else see the footage of the, the, the lad walking around Glasgow? He's orange tracksuit collecting comments from our support. That's a sign of the times, that, Brian. That, that is, it's not maybe as serious as people walking into somebody's house and sitting on the couch for a reaction, but... To, to walk around Celtic fans dressed in that regalia just for a just to try and get clicks, just to upload that to whatever your platform is. You know, it's something that it needs to be outlawed because what happens if there is a reaction and that, that lad, you know, is then the victim, but it's like, come on, mate, that's not the brightest thing to do. Listen, see the type of people that do that stuff, it's people that have never been it's people that have, uh, oh, sorry, it's on the phone, mate. It's people that have never been punched in the face. That is <laughs> 
it, it's, it's people have never been cracked about because if they didn't have their mobile phone on them and they, they're live streaming and they walked in a pub and started acting like that, they'd get belted, no. right? No. And those of us that are smart enough and we're weary enough to understand that. You mentioned Bill Fonz at the people's houses. Someone walks into your house in Glasgow uninvited, sits down for clicks, they're not making it back out. No. And and this is the thing, these 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 idiots, they're gonna get themselves into trouble. They're gonna some daft daft individuals nearly swore there. Daft individuals that are gonna get themselves hurt and it's gonna cause a lot of pain for a lot of people for the sake of clicks. It's ridiculous. It's just it's absolutely it's like that one. Do you see the one? Slight tangent, but the guy that was noising up Mike Tyson on the plane. <laughs> Not that I. Right. Who noises up Mike Tyson? Because he, th- he actually he thinks he, he thinks he's not going to rap because he's getting filmed. He's 55 and, he, and he's still the scariest human being on the planet. Yeah. And he gets a slap and complains about it. I said, what do we noise him up for? I know, I know. So it's a different age. Maybe I'm sounding like an old man here, but uh, it's, 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 it is, in all seriousness, it's really dangerous and somebody's going to get bad the heart and stuff like that. It's, it's outrageous. Yeah, it's outrageous. Now, Brian, um, I'll tell you what else is outrageous. The fact that we've had about 850 on the live today. Thank you so much for everybody getting involved. We are here every day, 12.30, Monday to Friday. We cover the games. Everybody knows now, and we're not going to change that. But there are loads of other plans with regards to what Axom does next season. So um, stay tuned for that. There's loads of plans. We've got a great team working away. And yeah, thanks everybody for getting involved. If you're watching on the YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Visit the links underneath if you want to come and see us at Gordon Strachan. And at that gig, uh, which by the way is selling fast, we'll do a, a charity fundraiser for wee Jamie. The separate link directly to his donation page is under there as well. Thanks everybody for continuing to support what we do. I know that we ask you a lot of the time to click on links and, and support us and we do appreciate it. Um, and if you want to comment, then subscribe to the channel and you're able to comment as well. All that's left for me to say on this Monday is thank you, Brian Degman, once again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.